Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service with singer-songwriter Brandon Reed. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Amen, amen. Do you have your Bibles with you? Give me a favor. Open your Bibles. Let's just jump right into it. Open up to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 19. Speaking of the hound dog of heaven, I couldn't be more polar opposite than my dad. (laughs) That was crazy. He was a preacher, and he would do anything to draw attention for the sheer fact of leading people to Jesus. He was so consumed with Jesus I remember, how many know who Regis is, filming Regis in the show? My dad told me one time that he, he did an interview with him. I said, really? With Regis? Regis and Kelly? He's like, yeah. I said, what the heck? What was that like? This is like back in the 80s, I think. He says, well, I just remember him telling me one thing. He said, Regis told my dad, I've never heard Jesus come out of somebody's mouth so many times. <laughs> That was my dad. He was crazy, and he took me all around the world and preached the gospel. But what he did is he imparted to me something that was liberating for for my life. He says, son, just be Brandon and nobody else. Just be you. You be you. My dad was like this tall. He looked Mexican. He had mi vida loca tattooed across his chest. He had tats up and down to hide the heroin marks. This is, he had a whole life long before me. And so when I came along, he was like, that's your dad? I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, that's my dad. But he imparted it to me and gave me something that was more than just, you know, an inheritance that you can pass your children financially. He gave me something spiritually that I value much, much more. And that is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How many here this morning can say, raise your hand, that you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about a genuine experience with the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I want to ask that and and ask it twice is because I believe that we've kind of dumbed down a little bit in today's culture, Christian culture, the necessity of an experience with the Spirit of Jesus. Now, I love the church today. I think the church is more healthy than it's ever been. And I love the variety of worship that we have, but there's something that I feel that's maybe a little bit missing, and that is a genuine experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is more than just an idea. Christianity is more than just an idea. It's more than just an array of these glorious ideas that we have. It's not just a doctrine or a theology, but it's it's an experience. The disciples, Paul, Peter, all these guys had genuine experiences with the, with the Holy Spirit. Genuine experiences with Jesus. That's why they were able to become martyrs for the Lord. That's why they were able to face persecution. Because it wasn't just an idea in their head, a simple belief, a way of life. It was a spirit that came inside and gave and filled their heart with actual spiritual power. There's a difference. 
So when I ask you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Like me, before I turned, uh, you know, around 36, I would have said the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I believe that's true. There's a, there's a, a, a filling that we, we partake of. But there's also an immersion. There's also a baptism that takes place that totally will rock your world. This type of baptism makes you love people. This type of ba- baptism makes you joyful. It's not a choice to be happy. It's just you can't help but be happy because it's inside you. There's a difference between somebody coming inside of you, making you some way, filling you with the power, versus I'm putting it on. There's a difference. Now, every one of us are growing, and we're partnering with the Lord and with Jesus. But I want to take you somewhere deeper this morning. I want to take you to a place where he interrupts your life, and he comes in on the scene, and he fills you with an un wavering certainty of who he is. How many would like to have that certainty? This is a certainty that's promised to us all throughout the New Testament. I want to read in in the book of Acts chapter 19, uh, Paul is traveling from from place to place doing his work. There's also some uh, different people doing the same work. There's a man named Apollos. He's a Jewish man. So there's a lot of work going on and a lot of traveling and whatnot. So we pick up in verse or chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, so Apollos is this minister. He's ministering over here. He's a man of great knowledge and of great understanding. He's witnessing to the Jews throughout the synagogues. While he's over in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior that uh, arrived in Ephesus. So Paul's moving in a different way. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, that's a mind blower if you think about it, because the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost when all the believers were up in the upper room. It fell down upon them, and it dispersed. There was a radical you know, impartation of the Holy Spirit. you got to realize that, that Rome and, and, and the corrupt Jews at the time had just crucified the king of the Jews. And so there was this, everybody's, hunkered down because they am i next are they going to get me peter is denying christ so there's this they're put off in the upper room hiding pretty much and on the day of pentecost shavuot comes along the baptism falls just like jesus had promised so now that goes off to all different parts of europe everywhere it's moving believers from that event that were there for the day of pentecost that experienced just the three thousand that believed have dispersed So Paul catches one of them, and here he finds something interesting. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, why was that so important for Paul to ask the believers? Because he wanted to make sure that they really knew who Jesus was. And they answered him, no, we haven't even heard. What do you mean the Holy Spirit? But they're believers, believers of Jesus. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. So they're disciples of John the Baptist but they're not received yet the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
So I wanted to open up with the scripture to draw the conclusion of this. Is it possible? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not building a theology here this morning, but I'm saying, is it possible, according to scripture, to be a believer of Jesus, to be a disciple, obviously on the road doing work, and not to know what the Holy Spirit is, to encounter the Holy Spirit? Yes, it's possible. Absolutely, it's possible. It's possible earlier in the book of Acts, when Paul goes to the respectable man Cornelius' house, or not Paul, Peter goes to, to his house. And this man is a Gentile. And, and, and go back and read through it about this, this uh, dream that they both have, and they both meet up. And as, as Peter is describing to them Jesus, it says that Cornelius and his house started to speak in tongues right in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> and he wasn't even baptized yet. So the Spirit is at work in this mysterious way, moving around, but it's moving in ways that are impacting people's lives with what? An idea of Christ? No, beyond that, an experience with the Spirit of Jesus within him. Let's turn to the book of John real quick. And let's read uh, <clears throat> chapter 14. John 14, verse 15. This is Jesus. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's, he's like, look, guys, he, he's breaking it down to them. I'm going to leave. They're like, where are you going to go, Lord? What are you talking about? I got to go. I'm, I, I, I've got to go. I'm preparing a place for you. Uh, I'm the way to the Father, and they're just confused. They don't know what's going on. And in verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Everybody say counselor. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now check that out. I want you to make, pay attention to the verbiage that Jesus is using. First he says that there is going to become, I'm going to give you, if you obey me, I'm going to give you another counselor. He also refers to it as a comforter helpmate. That word counselor is, I believe, paraclete, paracleus, which means somebody that comes to your side. That's what that means in the Greek. Someone that comes to your aid. If you're in a fight, fellas, right, and your homeboy comes, steps on the side of you, he's like, what's up? You got him, we got me. That's paracleus. That's, that's, that's counselor. That's what that means, coming to an aid. If you're, if those, you know, if you're on the, uh, if you're, <laughs> Well, I was going to say if you're an Oakland Raider fan, but they don't have an offensive line, so we can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that for Dallas either, so we're in the same boat. Hey, I know where your heart is this morning, NFL. <sighs> Lord, we just thank you for that first round draft. Something's going to go down. But it means somebody that comes to your aid, okay? Now, the word before it, another... That's alas in Greek, meaning if I was to say, if I had two bottles of water, here we go, here's a good example. Here is a bottle of water, okay? Here is another bottle of water. That word another is different than if I had two of these bottles. Pretend in your mind that this is one bottle, here is a bottle. And if I grabbed the exact same bottle and I said, here's another bottle, and you had two bottles that looked exactly the same, that's alas, another, exact same, copy. Not here, 
and here, but here and here. I have to leave. I have to go to the Father. I don't worry because I will give you another Pericles, I will give you another to come to your aid. It's Jesus he's talking about. Now listen, I will give you another counselor to be with you how long? Forever. The spirit of truth. Now listen, this says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him. It can't see the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't know him. But you know him. For he lives with you. I'm right here. <laughs> Jesus, I'm right here. And will be in you. Will be in you. Okay? A lot of people think, well, Jesus had to go because he, he had to die on the cross and be raised from the dead because he has to be filled in all of our hearts. He can be in us. Yes. But he also needed to be in the disciples' lives. Even though Jesus was with the disciples, he needed to get inside the disciples. There's a difference. So if it was important to the disciples for the Holy Spirit to have an experience within them, don't you think that's important for us? Amen? Amen. So, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, everybody says, oh, oh, say obey, obey, obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Listen to that. Listen to the words of Jesus. That's that important line we don't want to just run over. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him. Now here's the key part of the whole scripture. And show myself to him. Has the Holy Spirit this morning shown himself to you? Why is this crazy important? I want to read. How many know who John Piper is? He's a, he's a great preacher. Now he's not much of a charismatic. He's more of a reformist. But I love what he has to say about this. He says, I was reading an article from him, Pastor, in 1984. John Piper talks, this is a blog now, but he says, I sometimes fear that we have so redefined conversion in terms of human decisions and have so removed any necessity of the experience of God's Spirit that many people think they are saved when in fact they only have Christian ideas, ideas in their head, not spiritual power in their heart. Now, what am I trying to say this morning? Am I trying to say that everywhere we go, we're supposed to just be like this spiritual being flying, flying on cloud nine, you know, just like we just speak in tongues to each other, brother. That's how we talk. <laughs> the whole service is talking. No, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about the necessity to be certain of where your faith lies. Where did your faith lie? Because it can lie on just belief. That's where it starts. What did Peter say in the book of Acts? Or Jesus talks about it too. He talks about believing and receiving, believing and receiving. In the book of Acts chapter 2, when the, before the Holy Spirit falls, there's just so many 
interesting clues right here, right in front of our faces, where it talks about being able to hear a sound and be able to see the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit fell in the upper room, and it came in like a sound, like a rushing, violent sound. They heard it, and then it appeared, they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire on, resting on each man. They heard it. They saw it. Jesus says, listen, the world can't see it, and it doesn't know him, but you know him. There's a whole beautiful interweaving uh, of, of seeing the Holy Spirit, hearing the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. And so what do we do? We come to the Lord, and we get saved, and we're like, I know how it is, man. We just we, we want to experience the Holy Spirit so bad, we just jump into it. And I think that God, he's okay with that. I think that he understands our desires and our, and our, 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 our heart and our intention on going after the Lord. So he's like, God's not, he's not in a rush. He'll wait our whole life <laughs> to get us to experience his real love. For me, when I, sh- I shared this morning with OCD, it came, the Holy Spirit came on me in the midst of suffering, in the midst of, God, why is this happening to me? I can't control myself. I can't control my thoughts. And when he came inside my life and he filled me and baptized me in the Holy Spirit, it was something involuntary. I didn't, I didn't choose to open my mouth and mama wrote a Honda, you know. I, I didn't Shonda Labippi the Lord. That's not what happened. Now, I'm not making fun of that to, to say that you shouldn't speak out out of faith and try to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't know how that transpires, but this happened to me in the midst of my suffering. He came inside of me. I shook. He took my tongue and out came a language totally on, on its own to where I didn't want it to stop because he was setting me free, right? But then I left that, that heavy scene of obsessive compulsive disorder and I still had it, but yet he filled me with the spirit. So what's up, Lord? I don't get what you're trying to say to me. This is what he's trying to get you. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit inside you is to glorify Jesus. That's what he's supposed to do. So why, why pretend the Holy Spirit? Why the heck would we do that? Why would we put on a, on a, on a show and pretend him when all we want to do is just be real with him? He says, I'm going to give you what? The spirit of truth. He's here to give us the real thing. So it's, but the thing is, is that when we don't need it, we don't place a high importance on it that much. You know what I'm saying? When the, when, when the church today places everything on your own shoulders about, I can do this, I can do that. And there's something to be said about partnering with the Lord. But my friend, I've been in a place where I couldn't do anything on my own. I couldn't stop doing what I wanted to do. I'd given up on myself and then he came in and he brought me out. I was hopeless. No hope. Hope is different than optimism. Optimism is like you still play a role in that. Well, look on the bright side. I believe something, you know, the <laughs> Steelers don't have that great of a record, but they might. They might. <laughs> ben, Ro- ben Roethlisberger has, you know, maybe he might have. A- He's got a couple good years, right? There's optimism. There's optimism that plays... <laughs> I'm just playing. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Hey, I feel it. But 
But I'm telling you, when we play a role, sometimes God does say, speak to the rock. Sometimes he does say that. But I'm not talking, I'm talking about, with me, it was, I didn't have, optimism, optimism says there's still hope. Hopelessness says, you know what, the report is really, really, really bad and there's nothing we can do about it. That's hopeless. So when Paul says these three remain faith, hope, and love, we just kind of like, we got faith. Church got faith. We got love, but we just kind of like skip over hope. We're like, oh, hope. We just hope in them. No, the hope is a huge part of, of the gospel because it's saying I relinquish all of my efforts and I place them on you, Jesus. That's the beauty of when the Holy Spirit comes. If you take away the suffering of Jesus then you've taken away the identity that you have with the sufferings that you receive. Now, we don't preach a lot on suffering in church. But Paul sure did. The disciples sure did. I count it all joy when you go into various trials and tribulations. Count it joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, perseverance. Let it have work in you. All I know is this, guys. Like my dad said, once you get a dose of the ghost. <laughs> my dad had this cool way of just like being able to say things like a drug dealer. <laughs> but he, that's where his life came from. But he's like, you can't lose with the stuff I use. You know, like that was one of his things. Or you can have a dose of marijuana, but when you get a dose of the ghost. You know, that's his thing. When he talks about the hound dog of heaven. Why? 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 Because that's his mentality. That's where he came from. He would chuck the, the, the needle out and then go digging for it. You know, he was, he was, that's all he knew. So when Jesus came in his life and set him free, he just want, that's how he connected with people that were struggling with drug addiction. Man, you got to use what Jesus is. He's the ultimate high. I remember reading, reading, he's, I remember reading an article. I went back, and my, my father passed away in 2013. But I, I read an article from him back in like the late 60s when he first started his ministry. And he starts off, it's like this kind of like 70s hippie writing. And it says, Larry Reed talks about, uh, hey, kids, have you experienced the ultimate trip? That was his lead-in. <laughs> Anything to identify with the culture at the time. You know what today's culture is? Yeah, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's sex, all kinds of stuff, but it has a lot to do with the mind. It has a lot to do with the way that you perceive yourself and the way who, who I am. This is me. Okay? I was struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder. That's who I was. But that's not who God made me to be. But that's who Brandon was. The Holy Spirit had to get in me be so real, explode Holy Spirit dynamite inside of me to get me to be like, okay, there's no way, I cannot deny that you're not real. But I don't know why I still have to struggle this, but he left it up to me to walk out with him from glory to glory to glory. Why? Well, for, for, the, for the sake of what? For the sake of developing a relationship with me. He wants to be involved with your stuff. He don't want, he can come in and just, you know, be raptured up right now. What's the point of being on here? Because he desires relationship. He desires love. 
And I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change my story. Because I know it helps other people for the same thing. I want to... I think the key to, to, to being persistent is, is, or to, to experiencing the full measure of, of the Holy Spirit is to, be, to not kid yourself, but to be relentless in the pursuit, to be persistent about it, not in a tiring way, but just to be like, to not kid yourself with something. You know, pastor talked about my, my father preaching about the hound dog at heaven. It reminds me of a story of my own when, when uh, I, I liked a long distance run and uh, people were like, why would you like that? I just, I do, I don't know, I just, I enjoy like this, you know, running long and just me out there, it's kind of my mantra when I'm running, I just get alone with God, and that's how I think, and I like to push myself. Well, one day I was running over by my house, this is probably like, oh man, this had been like six years ago, seven years ago, and I'm out running, I got about a 15 mile run that day, and as I get out of my neighborhood, I go up the street, this is in Texas, and as I go up this hill, there's this sketchy kind of like white house, hillbilly-looking house. <laughs> and they got, like, trampoline in the front yard and, like, swing sets and, like, barbecue and, like, you know, all kinds of stuff just out in the front yard. That's how Texans do it sometimes. <laughs> Sweetest people, warm people, but they're just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there running, and, and I know that there is a dog there. There's a, it's a pit bull, and he's always chained up. And he's always one of those dogs that's like... Run, 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 run. You know, just has that mean bark and will run right after you and then whap, he'll get snagged with this collar, you know? So I'm running past and it's cold outside. I'm dressed up. I got my beanie on and I'm running. And I run past it. And you always kind of have that like macho run when you're running, like, yeah, this dog's cool. You know, I, I know he's there. It's all good. I know he's chained up, so I'm, <laughs> I'm good. And as I'm, as I'm running, I hear him barking, barking, barking. And sure enough, he gets caught and I run. Now I'm coming back about an hour and a half later, two hours later. I'm tired, I'm spent, the sun is going down, and I'm running downhill this time, and I run past him this time, and this time I said, oh, shoot, he is not on a leash. <laughs> and as I'm running past him, all of a sudden, he starts coming at me. And you know when a dog comes at you at your ankles, and he's got that certain bark about him, like you're like, oh, this is not This is like I'm going to rip your leg off bark right now. <laughs> bark right now. And he's like, Rawr! he's coming up to me, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like high, looking, you know, I'm running crazy. And he's across the street, and, and I just like, I hit full speed. Next thing I hear, boom. And I turn around, and, the, and, the, and a car steaming up from the radiator. It hit this dog, and the dog's sitting there lifeless, you know, steaming out of his blood, out of his nostrils. And I'm like, oh, my God. The girl jumps out of the car. She was this little... 15, 16-year-old girl had her driver's permit, driving with, like, her mom or grandma or something. They get on, they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, what's this, what's this happening? And I'm like, I'm in the middle of the street. There's not many cars because it's a, it's a county road. And I see this buff dog there sitting there. And then I see the owner come out. And the owner comes out, and he's like, He's looking at the dog. He's like, I could tell he's just, oh, my God, he doesn't know what's going on. And I'm like, I feel horrible. You know, there's people coming out of the house. And next thing I know, the owner walks back into his house, comes back out with a rifle. And I'm like, oh, snap, I need to get out of here. This is getting real. 
I'm sitting there like, what the heck? Like, dude, this went into different levels. Is he going to put it on me? He walks over the dog, and I'm like, okay, he's going to shoot the dog. He's going to put him out of his misery. Headlights are on the dog. It's dark at this time. And I, I look at the owner, and I'm like, sir, just, just, just hold on a sec, because the dog was kind of breathing still. I'm like, just, just, just wait a second. Are you sure you want to do this? And he's like, ah. I'm like, just give him a second. Sure enough, that dog gets up and is like looking around like, like Tyson, you know, got knocked out by Buster Douglas. <laughs> and he's sitting there. He's sitting there, and I'm like, see, see, see. He grabs a blanket, like a, uh, this blanket, rolls up his dog, throws him in the cab of his truck, takes off. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I told the girl, just don't worry about it. It wasn't your fault. He's running. It's the dog's fault, blah, blah. I run home. I go to my wife. I tell her, you're not going to believe what the heck just happened. <laughs> oh, my God, the experiences you have with dogs. So two months later, I'm still training. I'm running down that same road, and I get to that point, and I had ran that past that, uh, that house a few times before, and I ran past it again, and as I was running, I see out of my peripheral, I'm like, surely this cannot be happening again. Here comes this dog. He's got a cast, like, on his arm. He's got staples up his back. I'm not lying. It's God's witness. He's like... He's like, he's going after me. And I'm like, oh my God, you're kidding me. So this time I run on his side of the house and I'm like, he can't do much to me because he's like, he's a mess. And so I sit there, I'm like, no, 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 no. And the wife comes out this time. She's like, oh no, no, get over here and grabs him, you know. And I'm like, oh, sorry, awkward. And I just, I left. <laughs> but it's true. When you're persistent about the Holy Spirit is after you. In the same way that that hound dog of heaven, what you're talking about, it's the truth. That's the way that my dad only knew how to explain it. He knew how to explain it by saying, listen, he's going to sniff you out. And he's in relentless pursuit of you. He loves you. So do we need to have the Holy Spirit in this high all the time? No, we don't. Otherwise, he wouldn't. He would have made us just spiritual beings and not actual humans on this earth, right? We're natural people, but there is points in our life where we're gonna meet situations that we're gonna have to decide. Man, God, are you real? Because this circumstance in my life is not mixing with my faith. You know, my little nephew, seven years old, is Lion. His name is Lion. My brother-in-law and sister, my and sister-in-law. Just awesome people, just the sweetest people, love God with all the heart, pastoring, poured their lives into people. A little boy had leukemia, seven months old. No rhyme or reason, other than God has a plan and he works out everything for the good, no matter what. But in the midst of that, Luke is having to, even as this morning, as they go through the chemotherapy and the little guy does all this stuff, Lord, I don't understand this, but I love you. And I trust you. And the Holy Spirit comes. He comes because he's the healer. He's the, why do you think Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go, but I'll give you another, a comforter. I was one of the disciples that'd be like, comfort me for what? <laughs> What's going to go down? I need comforting. 
Yeah. In the New Testament, it, always, it refers to also as the Spirit of Jesus. So when you experience this another one, you're experiencing Jesus. When you feel his love, when you worship him this morning, like when um, Stephen and, and Daisy were singing this morning, the other worship team was singing, you experience that love. You experience the presence of God. You're experiencing Jesus within you. So what am I going to do this morning? Am I going to lay hands on you and rock you with the Holy Ghost? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. That, that's one method. That's the way Paul did it. There's also what Peter did when he's just talking and the Holy Spirit just fell. So I don't put a limit on how it happens. It could happen right now this morning. It can happen two weeks from now by yourself as you're in, the, in, an, out, in an outline, in and out getting your burger. <laughs> I don't know. It could happen any, any different time. But it happens... Because Jesus, his desire is to get on the inside of you and to give you an experience. Not just an idea, not just a Christian idea that's in your head, but trying to get you a genuine spiritual experience deep down in your heart. When you got that, then you got what Paul describes all throughout the New Testament as a deposit. A seal, he calls it. When you believed, you were marked on that day with a deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance what is to come. The Holy Spirit should feel like a little piece of heaven. That's what it should feel like. But the Holy Ghost, he won't come into places that he doesn't rule or reign. He won't come into places. He's very gentle. What was the clause of that whole Scripture we just read, that portion of Scripture in John about him giving us the spirit of truth and, you know, he's going to be in you and he's going to manifest himself into you. What was the clause of that in the beginning? If you love me, you will obey me. And I'm going to close with this. If Daisy wants to come up and the worship team, I want the worship team to sing that one song on the first service. Uh, I just want to be where you are. I'd like for you to sing it, Daisy. Can you do that on the spot? You can put your hands together for your worship team. I'm going to put them on blast. And don't worry. We're going to get out to the restaurant in just a second. I can smell the food boiling. <clears throat> so with me, this is why... The Holy Spirit touched me in a way, delivered me, or proved to me that he was with me, but then left me to kind of work out with him from faith to faith, walking it out with him, my, my uh, OCD that I went through. Um, when I would have a thought of worry, how many people here ever struggle with worry? Anxiety. Lift your hand if you struggle with anxiety. Keep your hand up. Worry, anxiety, depression. Throw your hands up. Probably more than half, at least. The rest of you all, God will forgive you of lying as well. It's okay. <laughs> but I believe that one of my jobs as a as a singer and songwriter and and is to shine light on 
the struggle with things that you deal with in your mind. Because of, for whatever reason, unwantedly, I was just, that was on me. And I had to figure out how to survive fight or flight. I had to figure that out. And when God got a hold of me, he wanted, he desired that relationship to walk out with me. So when I knew the Holy Spirit was within me, when I had worry or had anxiety that was so strong that it overtook and, and just consumed me, he taught me to do this. He'd say, Brandon, is that really you? <laughs> is that thought that you're worrying about, that anxiety that you're carrying about, that thing, that false signal in your mind that says you're worthless, you're trash. If people only knew the sin you did, if people only knew the thoughts you had, if people only could see how messed up you were, nobody, they'd be like, you're too crazy, bro, for even for the church, even for Paramount. <laughs> right? But when those thoughts come, this is what the Holy Spirit did. Not just to give me the Mama Rota Honda tongue, which is amazing, because it was so real and so life-consuming. But he imparted into me. He wanted to be in me and manifest himself into me, not just to show me who he was and his reality, but to show me the spirit of truth. Who am I? So when those stress and all the anxiety came and those worries and, and lies came to my head, I had a choice. I either believe that lie, or I believe in who he says that I am. And if Jesus says, Brandon, if I said, Lord, is this really me? Is this genuinely something I need to be concerned about? The Lord, I'd ask the Lord, I'd say, no, Lord, that's not who you say I am. I know that's not real. Because you're I, I, in my heart of hearts, in my holy, in, in the depths of me, I know that's not real. He says, well, then neither do I see that. And so I was able to make a distinguishment of a worry and an anxiety versus who the Lord said I was. And then now I have a fighting chance. So that's what Paul says. As many as are led by the Spirit of the Lord, these are the sons and daughters of God. When you are led by him. And the best way to have him lead is to not, is to get out of the way. Stop trying so hard. A lot of you, you, you come to a message and you receive it and you want to change your life. You want to change your husband. <laughs> you want to change your family so much that you get in the way. You just strive, you strive, you strive. And Jesus says, rest, don't worry. Tomorrow's got enough worry on its own. But cheer up, I've overcome the world. So when we trust in Jesus, we're taking ourselves out of we're taking ourselves out of the equation. That doesn't mean that we don't have a job to do. We're not like, peace out, take care of it, Lord. <laughs> no. We're saying, I'll do my part, Lord, but I'm not going to overstep my boundaries of trusting in you. My certainty is that you are Lord of my life. Therefore remains a rest. Right? Be diligent to enter into that rest. There's a rest. Jesus says, Sabbath is not made. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So we're striving, we're striving. My dad used to tell me, stop trying so hard. When I got through with the Holy Ghost and I, I, I got on the phone, I said, Dad, 
You're not going to believe what just happened to me. I told him the whole story. And he says, he looked at me, Pastor Omar, he says, now you know, son, it's personal. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. It's personal this morning. Man, I know what it feels like to have stuff so deep in my heart that, man, I was ashamed of. Ashamed of things that I didn't even, that weren't even true, that I bought into the lies of this. Oh, man. Hopelessness is where Jesus executes his masterful work. That's where he specializes in. Get out of the way. Let it go. Let go. Let the other one come inside you. He says, he that believes in me out of his belly, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I was running the other day. Everything, I, every, every example I give has to do with running. I feel like Forrest Gump. I was a running. But I was running the other day. And I stopped, and I'm tired, and I, I, I kicked it alongside this fountain. And I felt the Lord tell me, see that fountain, Brandon? I'm like, yeah, Lord. See how it, 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 it functions? I cause it to function. I'm the one that causes the fountain to pour out, not you. I do it. So he's going to do it at the exact time he wants to do it. Hold on. Hold on to the hope that he has in you. Because at the perfect time, Oh, he's going to come inside your life and you'll know, oh my God, you're real. Because you hung on to not a counterfeit. You hung on to, Lord, my faith is in who you say you are. You said you're going to manifest yourself to me. You said, Lord, that you're going to come into my life and come to my aid. And he will. He will. Let's bow our heads this morning. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.